Good morning. If you uh, have your Bibles, and I sure hope you do, turn to Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. We'll read 10 through 13. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Oh Lord, we stand here as the descendants of those who have received the promise of the Gentiles, and we pray, Father, that you would help us to see and understand what this means, what it means to receive the grace given unto the Gentiles and what it means to receive the grace given to us through Jesus, what it means for him to redeem us, what it means to live as the redeemed, and what it means to walk in the knowledge, in the truth, and in the joy of our salvation. And we ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So, This is a little different today and next Sunday also from the way I've normally brought God's Word to you. We just can't get away from the reality of what Randy said about me being the candidate for your permanent pastor. And so these next two Sundays are going to be deeply personal and at times deeply emotional for me. Of course, I know that's a real shocker for all of you that I would get emotional during a sermon. I know you're mostly thinking if I don't get emotional during a sermon, you're going to go, what's wrong with Brian today? Did something happen to him? But for better or for worse, uh, right or wrong, I'm going to be preaching the theme of my life to you the next two Sundays. See, my belief is very simple. If you are going to embrace me as your pastor, you need to know what you are getting. You need to know who I am before you make that choice. See, the theme of my life and who I am is a simple one. I am redeemed. This passage has one of the anchoring verses for my life theme of being redeemed here in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And when we look at this in Galatians, it's kind of confusing. How does Paul get from this place of being that the law is, everyone under the law is under a curse and only those who live by faith. And then this Christ has redeemed us. How does Paul get here? What is, this just all seems confusing the first time we read this, or at least it does to me. And part of it is, well, we have to understand 
where in the Old Testament and why in the Old Testament it says the things that Paul is quoting here. So we begin by looking at, you've got the verses in your bulletin outline. Don't even try to keep up because I'm just going to go fast. I'm going to read them to you. So we start with Deuteronomy chapter 27 in verse 26 and then go through the next chapter, 28 to verse 6, and then pick up in verse 15. So here is the first place Paul's quoting the Old Testament. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them, and all the people shall say amen. See, here in this place in Deuteronomy, Moses is reciting and restating the covenant law with the people of Israel before the end of his life. And when all the people shall say amen, they are affirming this. They are acknowledging they have heard this and they are saying we will live by this. And then Moses goes on to say, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I commanded you today, the Lord, your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord, your God, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your herds and of your young flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Then jumping to verse 15 in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes, that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall you be in your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. There's no way to get around this. I mean, this is God telling Moses and Moses telling the people, do it all and everything goes good. Don't do it all and it's going to go really bad. For those of us in the New Testament church and the New Testament life and the idea of grace, this is hard for us to grasp and comprehend. But this is the Old Testament. This is the Old Covenant. And thank God we are not under that anymore. Because I can't do this. I can't even do the Sermon on the Mount. How can I do this in the Old Covenant? And then the next place that Paul quotes about the righteous shall live by faith is from Habakkuk. And he says, behold, his soul is puffed up. This is so in Habakkuk. He's having this conversation with God. Habakkuk is basically the book of Habakkuk is basically the, the prophet saying, Lord, why are we still living under these wicked people who oppress us and make our life miserable? How much longer? When, when will you see this and do something about it? And this is one of God's responses to the prophet Habakkuk. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. This is God's response to Habakkuk when he asked him why he delays in dealing with the evil ones. 
And God's response, the righteous shall live by his faith. What? 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 What, what kind of response is that? What, is, what does that mean, God? What am I supposed to have faith in? That I am who I am. I have said, I will do this. I have said, the wicked shall not go unpunished. Because I delay does not mean I do not see. Because I delay does not mean I will not act. You must believe and have faith. Not exactly the answer that Habakkuk was looking for, nor do we look for on the days when things are going badly. But that is God's response. The righteous shall live by faith, dot, dot, dot. I am who I am. And then in Deuteronomy, we see this thing about the, 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 we come back to Deuteronomy chapter 21 to deal with the subject of the tree and being cursed. If a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. Right? We see this verse quoted, and then we understand why Jesus coming down off the cross on the day of his crucifixion was so important before nightfall. Because this had to be true. This had to be fulfilled. Jesus and the other two thieves were hung on the cross. They had to come off that before nightfall. They had to come off. And they were cursed because they hung on a tree. And the point Paul is making here in Galatians by quoting this, Jesus took our curse. He took the curse that was upon us for our failure to fulfill all the requirements of all the law and our failure to fulfill it was because we didn't have faith that he is who he is. That's the stinging rebuke of the law and our failure to fulfill it is because when you peel away all the layers, the center core of it is, eh, I just don't think you're really who you say you are, God. Otherwise, I mean, if you were who you said you were, and I could believe it, then I wouldn't have any problem keeping this law. But I don't think you really are who you say you are. That's the core of what happens to us when we fail to obey the commands of our Father. And then, then that just gets us through verse 10, 11, and 12 of this passage in Galatians. And, and now we get to verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. If he just did that, that would be enough. During the Passover, there's a song that all the Jews sing called Deneu. And the simple translation is, that would be enough. And they start going through all the steps of the Passover and the exodus out of Egypt. And at every one, they would say, if you just did that, it would have been enough. If you had just done this thing and that thing, it would have been enough. But then you did this other thing and this other thing, and that would have been enough. But then he provides the Passover lamb. 
the great Passover lamb. And Paul is saying this Jesus is the great Passover lamb that makes it possible for us to be redeemed, for us to be saved, for us to be made clean. And as a result of that, and this is especially true for us as the Gentiles, we get to verse 14, right? If, it, if, if God had just done verse 13, it would have been enough. If He had just redeemed us, it would have been enough. But just like with the Old Testament Exodus, Passover, He did more than redeem. He gave us Himself. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that the purpose, right? Here's the purpose of the blessing of Abraham coming to us for the purpose that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And that spirit is capital S because it's the Holy Spirit. The promise of Joel chapter 2, 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And then Jesus himself in John chapter 7. Now this, John says, he said about the spirit. Whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then he was glorified after his resurrection and ascension and the spirit was brought down in Acts chapter 2 there in Jerusalem at Pentecost. And then again in Acts chapter 10 at Caesarea Maritime with Cornelius and his household. And again in Antioch and again in Thessalonica and again in Ephesus and again in Galatia and again in Colossians and again in Thessalonica and again in all the cities where Jesus' name was proclaimed including Castle Rock. In this city where the name of Jesus is proclaimed, the Spirit comes down on those who believe. And Jesus is glorified when His people who believe in Him receive the Holy Spirit and walk in the Spirit. Not in the power of the flesh, but in the power of the Spirit. That is essentially what it really means to be redeemed, right? To be redeemed means to be purchased out of one thing for the purpose of freedom to live as free. He purchases us and redeems us so that we will live walking in the Spirit, not in our self-righteous flesh. Our own abilities which make it impossible, just as it was impossible to fulfill the old covenant in our own abilities, so also it's impossible to fulfill the simple walking with Jesus in the way he calls us to in our own abilities. It takes the filling of the Spirit. It takes the working of the Spirit from the inside out to do this and to, to be this. So all this is good exegesis on the redeeming work of Christ. But it doesn't answer the primary question that I raised in the beginning, which is, 
Why is redemption the theme of my life? And this is where it becomes very personal. This is where the theological truth of redemption comes off the page and becomes a living and breathing existence in my own soul. This is the part where telling you this story makes it impossible for me to just say it. It's too deep, too personal, too raw at certain times and in certain places, even today. So I have to read it to you. Most of my adult life was ruled by fear of being unloved and rejected by God. (sighs) And others as unworthy of their love. And I believed that my worth and my value was in how I performed and meeting their expectations. I was who other people told me I was. And my worth was measured by how I perceived they valued me. And when I failed or could not measure up to someone's expectations or felt rejected, I would self-medicate by binging on porn. And then I would work harder to prove that I was worthy of their love and approval. I did the same thing with God. Why did I have to earn God's love and prove that I was worthy of His approval? Because I messed up. I was in a serious relationship with a young woman in college and looking forward to our life together as husband and wife. Not Amy. We began a sexual relationship because we loved each other and we knew we wanted to be married. At least that's how we justified it. Then she became pregnant and told me the night before she was going to have an abortion. I, I begged her not to do this, but she was adamant. Because of geography and time that night, I had no way to stop this. The next day I called her to try to talk her out of it, but it was too late. She was already gone. She decided I was not good enough to be trusted to care and provide for her and our child. I failed her and I failed God. I still loved her and wanted to make our relationship work. I said to myself, we can overcome this. And I was going to prove to her I was worthy of her love. The next day, she called to tell me that it was done and she was fine And in an unemotional, matter-of-fact statement, she told me we were done and essentially have a nice life. From that moment forward, every major decision, every event was in some form or another ruled by that rejection. I had to prove to others and God that I was good enough. Then in September of 2019, I had been through a Two-and-a-half-year battle with intense physical pain from a severe back injury. I spent 50% of my day on my back staring at the ceiling for two-and-a-half years. I thought all my tensions, my anxiety, my anger, all that would just go away if I could just get my back fixed and this physical pain go away and be productive again, right? Because if you aren't productive, you can't prove your worth. Then after a mostly successful back surgery, I was released from about 75% of the pain I experienced every day. However, being free from physical pain was not enough to give me peace. 
I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what it was. I had seen the changes that Amy had gone through during her emotional recovery journey. And after going before God and asking him, how can I be free from all this mess? His answer was for me to go through the same regeneration recovery as well. So when I began my journey, I thought my battle was with performance, porn, and physical pain. But God showed me that my real battle was with the lies and half-truths that I believed about who I was and who he is. Killing the first lie that I have to earn God's love occurred in February of 2020, just a few weeks into a step journey. And our Father, in his magnificent, overwhelming love for us, showed me that I was loved by him apart from anything I did. I intellectually knew for over three decades. I just never believed it in my heart and soul because I had built a concrete wall between my head, my heart, and soul. That day in February of 2020, instead of just assenting to the gospel of God's grace, I actually felt it, believed it, and started living in it. He redeemed me through his great love for me. And when I say he redeemed me, I mean it in the literal sense of the transaction of another to buy one out of slavery for the purpose of freedom. He redeemed me out of my slavery to performance, fear of rejection, and the compulsion to earn his love. And he set me free to enjoy his love and revel in it. Because of Christ's redeeming work in my life, I am no longer driven by performance and the approval of others. I live free in God's love for me, unashamed of my failures, unchained from my fears, and in the greatest intimacy with our Heavenly Father that I have ever known. I am enjoying being who my Father created me to be, not trying to make myself into who I think He and others want me to be. I am who Jesus says I am. I am redeemed. I am loved, 1 John 3, 1. I am bought with his blood, Romans 5, 9. Made for good works, which he prepared for me to walk in, Ephesians 2, 10. I am a son of our heavenly father, born anew, not by blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but by God our father, John 1, 12 and 13. One example of his transforming work in me, is during this difficult work of looking into my past and facing my failures, looking at what I had done and what had been done to me, I discovered a hurt and wrong done against me that I had never recognized before. My girlfriend's parents were a driving force in her getting the abortion. They were active agents in robbing me of my child. I experienced all the emotions of grief and anger and desire for justice and revenge. Through the work, I acknowledged and accepted my responsibility to forgive them and ask God to forgive me for my part in the unplanned pregnancy. And I genuinely and sincerely forgave them. And as a result of forgiving, I began to see the damage that their actions had inflicted upon themselves. They lost their first grandchild at their own hands. I began to consider their loss and their probable emotional pain and I began to feel sympathy for them. 
And I began to pray for them that the Lord would bring healing and restoration in their lives from what their action caused them to lose and any guilt or shame that it brought on them. I went from revenge to praying for their healing because of his redeeming love. I could forgive them and show loving kindness without them doing anything to earn it. And I want to encourage you in this truth and reality that God loves you and you are not alone. You are not alone in this life and in this journey. You know this by the very fact of being in this room with this church. Recognize and see the things you have done and have been done to you, yet know this. If you hear nothing else, hear this. You are not what you have done and has been done to you. Your identity is not your affliction or your addiction. You are who Jesus says you are. Reject the lies that you believe about yourself and who God is. Embrace the love of our Savior Jesus that He has for you. Come to the table of our Father and be set free from the lies and the chains that hold you. Be redeemed. Be a son of our daughter of our Father, not by blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but by His own love for you. Our Father loves you and is calling you to Him just as you are, just as He called me to Him. I live a new life in Christ because of His redeeming love for me and His redemption of my being and whole personhood. And so can you. This is why the redemption theme is my life and it is why for as long as I am here I will proclaim the redeeming power of Christ to you because there is no other name by which men may be saved and there is no other name by which we can be redeemed from our brokenness and the shame it brings on us. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham's might come to us so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. That's Paul's word to us as the benefit and the gift of Christ redeeming us from the curse of the law and from the curse of our shame that we feel and experience in our brokenness. This is who you will have as your pastor. Oh Lord, thank you Thank you for your redeeming love. Thank you for your great and awesome power to redeem and break through the most thick concrete barriers in our lives. The ones we put in different places of our heart and soul and different places in our minds. Thank you, Father, that you are the concrete buster so that we can be set free from the prison and slavery that we encased ourselves in. 
And I pray, Lord, that we would be known as the redeemed people and that you would accomplish great redemption through us for ourselves and for generations whom we have not even met yet. And if you are so kind and loving, Father, that you would accomplish redemption through us to the generations that have not even been born yet. In Jesus' name, amen.